Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. How are you? Uh, brother, I'm 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 good, man. Fantastic as usual, man. I am uh, making it. How are yeah, you? No, it's you, you had a weekend. I uh, you know, Bro, I've had a week. Yeah, and, no, I. But but no, I'm like this is the thing. I'm good. 2023. It's you know we talk about the things and and habits and all these things that we want to do and be better and the work that you want to put in like the real life, like those things are hard. Like, especially when you gotta be, you know, when people are like, oh, I wanna be grateful. Oh, I wanna do all these things. And then life hits you in the face and you, you know, you don't necessarily people, you know, see people in those scenarios still talk about, yeah, I'm still grateful. But I learned that lesson last week, man. Like I, I really, in the face of, of loss, felt the genuine spirit of gratitude, man. I lost my friend Brian last week unexpectedly. Anyone who knows me knows my Monday, Morehouse Mondays crew know how, you know, this is someone who was really, you know, pivotal in my life, important in my life and in my advocacy work and like all the things we're doing. Brian was, was my boy, unexpectedly died, heart attack, lived an incredible life with the 40 years that he had on this life, on this planet. And that's where I was going with this, because through all the loss, learning to be grateful for the relationship, learning to be grateful for the time spent. And in the midst of loss, learning, you know, that, you know, that phrase of like what it really means to be grateful in a genuine way for the time and experience that you get for people. So I am good. I am fantastic, man. Good to be wow. back here. Good to be back on the show. And, you know, I, <laughs> you'll crack up at this. Like our our model was the forever yellow. <laughs> so, and if you know me, then you know that makes sense. But no, man, like definitely going to keep that spirit up it wasn't just the yellow on the party side man but it was also on the professional side too um and getting things done and and looking forward to this 2023 and without further ado man i'm going to get off of me and we're going to get in with you our guest and uh yeah this week's pod man we got a fun one awesome i'm excited man joining so, us from spain yeah <laughs> From Spain, another one across the pond. It's the second, third, the third, third, like the third episode. one from across the pond, man. No, it's, but look, hey, our, our, our international family, man, the no BS has no boundaries. Absolutely. So, yeah, definitely. And uh, our guest today is definitely part of the family uh, as well, uh, coming to us from uh, the Doin family, new addition to the Doin world. But a newer name and a newer face for some of our audience and some of our, our listeners. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast. Thank you hey for guys. taking the time to join us today. No, thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor. Hey, Tim, Tim, Tim pronounce your last name for us. Oh, that's always a rough one. It is. Konings. No lie. Konings? Konings. Yeah. Konings. Okay. Why does it say it? It makes sense, but it's, it's, if you see it and you need to read it, <laughs> not gonna lie, man. It was one of those I've names I looked at and I was like, it's gonna take me some time. And you know, I'm big on names, so like, you know, I, I, I'm a ask John. I, I, I've known John for years and I've murdered his name for a long time. It literally took me a week to well, learn how to pronounce it right. Try, try working for European companies in the United States and European companies with very specific European names. And then when you call people, you're like, hey, does this stem from 
this company. And like, oh, wait, what, what company? I'm like, this company, I spell it. And they're like, okay, great. What's your last name? I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> just, just, just Tim. <laughs> just Tim. I got it. Tim, so, and this is what I do. <laughs> Tim, I mean, so you're at Duin now. You're, you're international sales manager for Duin. We're going to get to that. And, you know, we've had Noelia on, uh, a good friend of the show, a uh, great Shout friend of ours. Noelia and Nuno uh, and the Duin team. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, what they're doing there. So we're excited to dive in with you and see, see what you're going to bring to the table. But, you know, we, before we hit record, we we're kind of talking about it. I'm like, oh, wait, stop. Let's just go ahead and get this on the, on the podcast. So like, you know, looking at your, your history and, and where, you know, you didn't really stumble into hospitality until 2015-ish or so. But like specifically, more recently, you, you made the pivot, you know, to, you know, short-term rentals and vacation rentals, you know, or in facilitating that side of things, you know. What made, you know, looking at your, your history and in, in coming up in sales and in, in facilitating business and entrepreneurship, you know, what made you, you know, come to, you know, what was this direction and why? Well, basically, for being European, being born in Belgium, like I always try to find some interesting things to, to venture in. I was one of the early adapters back in 2010 in Europe for couch surfing. I don't know if anybody of you remember or know <laughs> what that yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, a, it's like the free version of Airbnb. Uh, so I was one of the first ones that was like a member on that. Everywhere I went, I was promoting couch surfing. Then went to visit my friends in uh, Orlando, in Vegas, and he started talking about Airbnb. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's amazing. That's great. Um, so when it became time for me to make some moves, make some waves, I, uh, I always worked for startups or at least like I enjoy working for new products, new markets. And I was at a, at a passion to go to the United States. Um, I spoke at Big South um, back in Charleston in 2013 as the first international speaker. When it was still very small, it was not very impressive, basically. And then I landed a job at a Spanish linen manufacturer that actually was my first step into hospitality. My whole life, I've always loved hospitality, where it was like restaurants, food, hotels, travel, like I, I enjoyed it ever since I was eight years old, I think. And so I put my apartment online, found a job in America, like found a job for a Spanish company that made me responsible for the United States to develop the market completely. The company was based out of Valencia, Spain, where I'm currently still located. And they're a high-end manufacturer for hospitality linens, everything from sheets, towels, bathrobes, pillows, everything. And they needed presence in the United States. So I took that job in 2015. And the more I went to 2020, right before the pandemic, I started to realize that short-term rentals is really something that is up and coming. There's like more technology available. There's more demand. They they want that they want that hospitality feel. You know, like they will, they. It's no longer the bed and breakfast by two retirees somewhere up in the mountains. No, it was back in between 2017 2020. I kind of felt like there was a shift coming along in the short-term rental market what specifically like you know can we can we you know when you look back at that time and when you what, what yeah. was the specific things and you mentioned tech and you mentioned some other things you know i mean hotels and you know has always been pushing pushing the boundaries of trying to go ahead and keep pushing but why is it just because it was new or what specific like what were the things that like resonated in your mind in in that holy shit like they're onto something i, I need to jump in yeah well basically that's the reason why I started with couch surfing, I, I always, back in 2009 was the first time I went to the United States and I didn't just want to stay in a hotel. 
I wanted to have a local experience. So I went on couch surfing because I didn't have that much money yet back then. So I went on couch surfing because I wanted a local experience. Like I didn't want to stay like I, went, I was going to Orlando. I didn't want to even I didn't even know where to stay near Disney. But I also didn't want to stay in any of those Disney themed expensive hotels. And the same with Airbnb, but on a, on a higher level. So afterwards, when I traveled to New York, I always wanted an Airbnb because I didn't want to stay in Midtown. I wanted to stay in Greenwich Village. I wanted to stay in Lower East Side. Like I wanted to stay in the cool areas where back then were not much hotels. And I wanted to have that New York feeling. I wanted to have, I wanted to feel claustrophobic <laughs> in a way when I traveled to New York and have my bed in my kitchen. So, yeah. and that is, that is where I saw that. As well as people become more and more professional. And that's what I did myself. I, I only have two properties, but that's what I enjoy when I rent out my properties is I, I go out for the small soaps. I go out for, I make, I make a guide. I make a, a local guide for the area. I tell people where to go. And that is something you don't really get in, in a hotel or maybe now more because they feel the pressure, but the same like with Uber, like the, the, the prehistoric industries like taxi industry, like hotel industry, they get pushed to rent, to innovate as well. And it just makes everything better. No, I, I love that. I, I love the, uh, you know, when you travel to New York, you want to feel claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. For a certain, for a certain amount of time, unless you really are claustrophobic <laughs> and then it's, but it does like it forces you to get it, not be and stay in your apartment, right? Like, or stay in your space. It forces you to get yeah. out and be a part of the neighborhood and go be in the city. And so I, I definitely get what you mean by that. So, so talk to us. Uh, yeah. So what, what came next, like in, in your journey and, you know, cementing that, Hey, this is a new industry. Hey, this is where you want to be. You're seeing the progression of the industry, you know, talk us into, you know, how you got to your current state, because, you know, where you are at now is, I'll say a bit of a niche in the area of our, of the industry, but it's one that's rapidly evolving and, and the technology is advancing and it's a critical component to, you know, successful execution to the operating in this business. Right. So how did you yep. make, well, get into this industry, uh, into this niche and, and, you know, where are you, where are you taking it? Well, actually um, a good friend of mine, he has a, somewhat larger man uh, larger property management company here in Spain. He mainly focuses on expat and expat services, but he manages now about 300 properties just in Valencia and 200 in Antwerp. And I mean, we, we go out for a drink almost every week and we're always talking about like, what's the next best thing? And because I'm so interested in with getting laid off from my job in the United States, coming back to Valencia, going back to Belgium at the time, I started to like look into, okay, what else, where are some interesting companies that actually provide to the short-term rental? And, and, and what does that entail? What do they offer? What is necessary in order to do that? Because the biggest difference when it comes down to operating multiple units is that they're not located in one space. It's shattered around all over the city, all over the state, all over the country. And so with my friend, we talked a lot about the technology and what comes with it. And because I was like, looking and researching so many things. I gave him a lot of ideas. And then I started thinking like, hey, like I just, I need to do something else with this. Like I need to get into this industry because this is interesting. I like this. I know how it works or I believe I know how it works. Um, I've yes, done it myself. So do we. 
we, we also <laughs> believe we know how it works, but <laughs> but that's the beauty about the whole thing. Like everybody who gets into short-term rentals, they believe that they know what they're doing, but in the end, it's all just a trial and error because right. it's it's impossible to estimate. Um, for example, now we're doing finding housekeepers for a five-bedroom apartment or finding a housekeeper for a one-bedroom apartment is com something completely different and it comes with completely different challenges. And that's why a lot of housekeeping companies are still struggling or even not even taking in, taking on short-term rentals because they have no idea on how to handle it. And my friend, like he's already established this company, like he's been around for almost 20 years now, I think. He has a good idea, but when talking to him, I also realized there is no technology that actually like fits. It's not like Salesforce or HubSpot, where it's like we have a software as a service and everybody can use it. Now, when it comes down to property management, there's still some things that need to be discovered and connect everything together. Well, everything's different. And, you know, you use the Salesforce example too. Like, like I hate Salesforce and I've used it so many different times. And, you know, I'm sorry if we're ever looking for a Salesforce and the problem is it's so customizable that it still breaks and it still doesn't work the exact way you want it to go ahead and work. So there's no perfect solution, you know, from property management software to, to housekeeping software. There's no perfect solution. There, and, and unfortunately, that, that's where the workarounds uh, come in. And then when you add a workaround on top of a workaround on top of a workaround, then you're, you're up shit creek, right? No paddle. Yep. You've been there and, and how do you get out of it? And you almost have to restart and re, like hit refresh on it. But it's interesting, you know, it's, it's a good analogy. That, that yeah, and it, it is just funny. And this is also why I was mostly in the United States, because in Europe, there is a, like, I think bed and breakfast or small hotel operations that are similar to Airbnb short, or short-term rentals were much more common in Europe than they were in America because right. of size. Right. But then talking to my friend and also experiencing it in my own companies in the past, when it comes down to like creating a system that is completely covering everything, they just start building it themselves. And once you start building it yourselves, there's no way to get away from it. It's impossible to go to a software as a service or to somewhere else. So, and, and that's very interesting that how the European mentality versus the American mentality, we're just like, we're going to make something uniform for everybody, opposed to we're just going to create it our own and we're just going to build and build to our needs instead of thinking about we're going to build something for everybody. Tim, the, 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 that actually brings up a good question, though. Like, what are the differences, <laughs> right? Like that you see within because they're very different markets, even, you know, between the U.S. and Europe. Right. In the way that mm -hmm. your industry operates there with cleaners, suppliers, you know, in, in, in the way that they interact, even the formation of companies versus in the U.S., you know, managers in every city, every market operate differently. Some use contractors, some, you know, have internal house and staff. Like, so it, there's no like uniform way to, you know, run your linen and amenities and like cleaning scheduling operations. Like, how do you, what's your view on that? Like, how is, you know, how does that make your job more challenging? How does that, you know, you know, no, how is the technology going to be addressing that? Because it seems like it's much more complicated here in a way than it is in, in, in across the pond, I'll say. And maybe that's just my. <laughs> well, that's a very good question. And, and I've, I think about this a lot. And in, so I, I write for 
two international companies going to Europe from Europe to the US, trying to establish their roots there with minimal budgets or like not minimal budget, but with like a great idea, which is like, okay, let's build the United States. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that always comes up is the cultural differences that you don't think about. For example, in Europe, it's very cheap to hire an outsourced housekeeper, but it's very expensive to hire your own because of labor and everything. Like it's mm-hmm. um, the, the, the way the, the salary costs are just so much higher over here. And one of the biggest challenges or the biggest differences, especially in, in hospitality we see here is the way that laundry works. In Europe, it's just very common to use linen rental. All house, almost whole housekeeping companies have a way to work with a local laundry or with a larger laundry to, to rent the linen from there. While in the US, even major hotels are still purchasing all of their linen and as well as the short-term rental owners. And because it's operationally more difficult in a way, but on the other hand, if you just, everybody just works together, it's, it's fairly easy. Also in Europe, technology, we are way more behind on technology as well. Um, so if you present a good technology like doing, it's a lot easier to present this to, to people. While in the US, there are people that have similar solutions. I won't call them competition. Right now, there is not that much competition exactly on what we do, but there are similarities to it. And then also it comes again to what, what you said, that Americans might be more entrepreneurial, or I think you said something in, in, in that sense, like they're more entrepreneurial. So I spoke a few weeks ago, I spoke with somebody who had the option to completely outsource or start hiring their own people. But then he was also saying, like, if I hire my own people, I'm also going to ex- outsource them to my colleagues. And that is something we don't see in Europe. Everything is, is very, if you have a few properties in Madrid, you might have a few properties in Valencia, but you won't be scattering around and you will have like something established there, outsource, you work with certain people and that's it. In America, it's just opportunity. It's interesting. I, I, I like that because I, it, it's, the cultural differences are, are so interesting to me because, yeah, I mean, here in, in the States, if, hey, I, I want to fix this solution for myself. Okay, great. I've, I've, I've come up with a solution or my team's come up with a solution and now we have a new launder or whatever that solution is. But holy shit! All right, this is expensive. Um, how can we go ahead and make and self fund this? Well, you know, we're not really losing, co- you know, guests. We're so we're going to offer this to our comp- our competition, but and so we'll make money off of them as well. And it's it's and it's it's interesting to me that this isn't necessarily a mindset in Europe. And I wonder why. Like, what is that about it? Like, if we're here, we we got to fix this, find a solution for ourselves. And all right, now now we're going to capitalize on that solution and we're going to go ahead and offer it out. But why why wouldn't, or and maybe some are doing it overseas, but what is the big, is it more of a competition's competition and I'm not going to offer this gold that I found and, and, and have for myself and I'm not going to give it to, to you know, I don't know what that is. You know, what do you think? Is it complexity starting a business here? And actually my friend, he actually, he started as a, as a rental company and now he also has his own housekeeping company. He's building on that, but he's one of the only people that I know that are actually doing it because it's, it's complex to start. Um, it's, it's the accounting part. It's the finance part. It's the starting the LLC. Um, there are so many things that, that, that just come with it while in America and from 
what I know is like, I have an idea, I'm going to start it. And if I need to start an LLC in a couple of months, I'll start the LLC. If not, then we'll see, we'll figure it out. The cost of starting something like that is, is, is very low and the knowledge is very low. You don't need to technically invoices. It's not something that you have to deal with. If you have a receipt or you have somewhere like a confirmation on how much a thing costs, you're good to go. While in Europe, everything is, you need an invoice for this, you need counter invoice for that, and it needs to be booked and it needs to be exactly the same. And that is what makes it a lot tougher to just like, hey, I have an idea. Let me test it out, see if it works. And then after a couple of months, I'll just decide whether I go professional with it or not. Well, that makes sense. I think I think logistically too, I, I forget that, you know, I don't forget, but it's in conversation. I forget that, you know, states to us are countries to you. And, you know, when you cross a border, it's, you know, it's not only, it's, it's a different laws, it, it could be different currency. It's different, you know, and, you know, we have 50 states that are all using the same currency and, you know, and to do business across state lines, who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. Um, it's easy. It's, it's interesting. And sometimes that yeah, even, I mean, and if it comes to the complexity, the only complexity that you guys basically have in my perspective is your tax system because it's. In Europe, it's a it's a country tax. So in right. Spain, it's this much. In Belgium, it's this much. On certain things, like we have three taxes, I think, in general for luxury items, for food, and 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 for uh, for drinks. But for you, that's that's one complex thing that we are still trying to figure out as well. Is like how does this tax thing work, and how deep does it go? Because if you don't file your taxes, we don't have to pay you the taxes because otherwise, it's a rev is a profit. It's a, it's a free for it. And this is still why America, I think is, is the land of opportunity because it is still flexible in a lot of things. Let's talk about, so <laughs> okay, that was a bad, that was a bad thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Makes sense. No, it, it, it totally makes sense. And I, and I get it. I, and I, I want to talk about your, your transition to this role here at, at doing, you know, looking at, you, know, you spend a little bit of time over a year, a little close to a year and a half, uh, with wash B and B our friend, Daniel. Uh, who we had on the podcast uh, probably a year ago now as well, um, who's doing some pretty cool shit. And, and, you know, I know he's, he was in Wisconsin, if that's correct. And then, and then yep. he's down in Orlando and he's doing some different things. Uh, you spent some time with him and, you know, previously before jumping on, you said you, you, you learned of him because you sold linen to him and then, and you worked with him. Does that, that transition of helping him build and I'm not yet, it just said business development, so you could talk about that uh, to us. But does what you learned with from linens to helping him uh, do what he's doing and their team's doing there, is that helped in the transition to doing? Yeah. So basically, so Daniel, me and Daniel started talking right before the pandemic when I was still at Resuinsa, the linen company, and and Daniel's idea is just great. Like he's solving a he's, he's solving a big problem in the market, uh, consolidating. The, the laundry offering linen rental to, to short-term rental managers. It's a, it's a great, but it's a very difficult adventure. And I helped him develop uh, some of the businesses, reached out to some people. Um, he first got me on board as an advisor. Afterwards, I went more and more into an active role. But then for him to focus and to scale the business, uh, we decided to just pause the partnership for, for a while so that he can focus on the two customers or on the couple of customers. I think he has like a few. 20 or something right now. I don't know. I haven't talked to him in, in a month or so, but he's doing a great job. I still talk to some of the people that he's working for and they're very satisfied on what he does and how he does it. And then basically the shift to doing, 
made just sense because what Daniel is trying to do, what he's doing for the uh, living part, doing is doing for the uh, housekeeping part. Because, and, and it's the same thing, the laundry industry in America is not, and that's what I said earlier, they're not thinking about linen rental. If you go to a laundry in the United States and you ask them if they do linen rental, they mostly just rent to your full service motels next to the side of the road that don't care about what quality they offer. Yeah. Uh, while in Europe, all the quality, like even the high-end hotels, they even rent from, from laundries. They don't purchase their own. And it makes sense if you if you if there's a uniform for everything, if you have this kind of linen for four-star hotels, this for three, this for two, whatever, it's a lot easier. But the problem with the short-term rental industry is just that nobody has figured out the operational part of it. And that's what Dan, Daniel is fixing. Right. Um, how to get all these separate units all together and then let the laundry come pick it up, laundry it, drop it back off, and dive, and, 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 dive, and distribute it again. Laundry the same logistics. With laundry logistics, basically. And that's what doing is, is, is doing as well, because housekeeping, and I, I spoke to, some, to a housekeeping company yesterday, and um, they were like, oh, but like, I don't think, I, I have a budget for a turnover. I'm like, I have 80 services for you. Um, the budget is X, I'm going to say 70 right now. Uh, the budget is 70, uh, can you do it? And they're like, ooh, that's, that's really low. Uh, we're normally like 150. I'm like, yeah, that's because you're thinking about your, you're coming in and you need to clean everything. Like, no, this is a two, three-night stay. This is basically like nobody lives here. This is an empty unit. This is like just a staged, staged room. Like the oven might be dirty, but 80% of the time it's not. The fridge might be used, but 90% of the time it's not used. Or it's like one can of Coke that's been in there. So your, your mentality, and that's what the housekeeping companies still don't realize, is your mentality has to change. Like if a property manager says like it's going to take an hour, it's probably going to take you less than an hour to clean. So you can just charge a one-hour employee for that clean. Right, right. So getting them in the mindset of understanding like how to service short-term rentals versus your traditional single-family homes and... Yeah, it's. Exactly. It, it, I mean, I can imagine the challenge in seeing, you know, in having that conversation with the companies that don't understand fully, you know, the workload and 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 what and how the industry is, which is, which is interesting though. Like, do you run into because you know here in Atlanta, you know, there's a there's a, a thriving short term rental industry. A lot of I see a lot of contractors, and then you'll say, hey, a lot of people, you know, um, you know, see the merry maids, and hey, we uh, we also service, you know, short. uh, They all call them Airbnbs, but we'll call them short term rentals, right? Like, because everything's like, oh, and 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 so like I see it being like, oh, as an asterisk to now, hey, we do this with the companies that you're talking to. Is it becoming more of a familiarity around that, or are you still finding yourself having to educate and talk through? The kind of the specifics of our industry to the larger companies, right? And that's what I was trying to get at before, kind of like, all right, the companies seem to have a harder time grasping it, whereas the individuals and the independent contractors are the ones that, you know, of course, a lot of people are using and seem to have a better grasp on the space. Has that been your yeah. experience? It's like a 50-50, and again, it also depends on the space itself. Um, if you're working with companies that do the... Um, arbitrage that mm-hmm. just like rents five, six apartments in the same building. And, and, and it's a lot easier for a housekeeping to understand like, okay, it's one location. I go there, I clean, 
two of the five units because they have a turnover and that's it. Everything up to a three bedroom house, basically housekeeping companies understand like, okay, it, it, if it's a three day stay, it's going to be a lot easier. But as soon as it becomes a week stay, it's still becoming expensive. And then the education actually switches over to the host because the hosts thought about like, I'm going to charge 150 cleaning, or I'm going to think about $150 cleaning fee. While then the housekeeping contracts are like, no, it's a three bedroom. Somebody stayed there for over a week. Like we don't know what we're going to walk into. We cannot say it's going to take two hours. And then also always the laundry question comes up is like, it, I mean, we can clean it in, in, in an hour and a half. I can send three people in there, but if the washer and dryer is not finished, we're stuffing there. Yeah. And, it, and, and it is, it's fine if you're in an arbitrage situation and you can go to the next place down the road. I mean, down, down the hallway and you start cleaning that and then you can go back and get the laundry out and it's all in one, you know, but when you're going jotting across town or across the city, it's a whole different story. So it seems like there's a lot of education on both the cleaners and that, and that in the property management companies and all of it together, there, there's an education that still isn't established yet. There, there are some property management companies that are doing this great. They have it uh, down pat. But then there's that, you know, if we look at the industry as a whole, it's scaling, it's exponentially growing. And every day you're going to have more and more people that are looking for a solution that don't know how to get from point A to point B without pulling their hair out. And that's where you come in. And, and my question transitions from here is like, you got hired as an international sales manager. You know, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Like, what do you come in? You know, it's a, it's a decent title, right? International sales manager. But what the hell does that mean? You know, like you're getting on the horn, you're calling people, like, what do you do day to day? Well, basically right now it's, it's because we're just entering the U.S. market It's just establishing like what is needed. Is our software ready to enter the market? What needs to change? I deal with, so I deal with customers from A to Z, from finding them, onboarding them, training them to making sure they're connected. I'm looking for the vendors too. I'm connecting them with the vendors. And then if there's issues, I deal with the issues too. And basically uh, just building up the whole sales sales strategy and then see on where we go. What is our, what is our prices? What are our margins? What are, like, how can we, because now this year we're going to launch our software as a service as well. So right now we, we find the vendors for you, but now we're also going to offer our software in general. So you can use your own vendors or your own um, employees and use the software as well to communicate and send tasks and everything to them. So figuring all that out is, so in the morning, well, and, then it, and then it's, it's figuring out the API to the property management softwares that these companies are going ahead and, and making that connection work and making them talk together. Yeah. You got your hands full, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we have, and that's the thing, we have those connections already with some PMS yeah. systems, but mostly here in Europe. I mean, we, we connect with Guesty, with Avantio, um, and now we're talking to multiple other ones in order to, uh, to connect with them as well. Yeah, you got yeah, that's also on my, on my, yeah, on your, uh, <laughs> on your to do list, on your daily list, right? Yeah, it's a lot, but yeah, it's fun. I mean, I enjoy working for, for companies that have a very flat structure on where you still are able to put your, your stamp or your signature on, uh, on the development. Talk to, talk to us about the U.S. So you, you're coming here to the U.S., you know, and it was my understanding that you were here already in the U.S. kind of sporadically, but and you were still trying to, you know, a year ago when we were talking to Noelia. And, you know, where, what city is your, your focus or, or like what city do you have the best grasp on now? And where do you, where do you look to expand uh, your services first? 
Well, right now we actually we landed a um, agreement with a com with an arbitrage company, and their challenge was mostly in remote areas. Um, I'm talking Wichita. I'm talking like somewhere in in, in middle of oil rigs, Texas, somewhere. And they had issues finding housekeepers there. So we, they basically just asked us like, okay, we'll work with your software if you can find housekeeping companies there. So we are not in like major cities at this time. I also, in a way, I feel that when you come into, and that's where our software, the service is going to play a, a larger role. When you come into local property management companies, they have their thing figured out. They know exactly which housekeeping to use. They know they they've hired people. They'll know how much they cost and everything. So um, that's where we are going to provide them now with the software instead of more our services on finding housekeepers. We're going to help them. Like, hey, here's a system. It's an app. It's a it's a website. It's a scheduling tool. It's everything included, and it's easy to use. Connects with your property management system. Put the number in of your housekeeper. They receive whenever they need to go. And it's that easy. Mm -hmm. wow. So that's that's going to be the biggest change. And that's why now we're working with those national property management companies because they have issues finding those. They don't go there locally. They don't have anybody locally. They want somebody who takes responsibility there, but they don't want them <clears throat> on the payroll or they don't want to deal with them as much. And this was, here you go. This is what you need to do today. Take care of it. Sounds like you got your, your work cut out for you. But I, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, truly... There, there's other companies that are out there and you mentioned it earlier and you don't look at them as competition, you know, but what's the big differentiator? Do you, do you feel other than, you know, because others are coming out with a, you know, a SaaS product as well. Others are coming out with these different things. Like why, why do in over the others that you don't consider competition? Because most of them, the competition that we have or that as far as I've seen, they all, um, they have the marketplace strategy or they have the bid strategy. So let's say I'm a property manager. I have I have a software. My housekeeper falls sick to, sick tomorrow. Um, I'm going on the platform. I'm looking for another housekeeper. I get bits. I choose one. Done. This is we're doing actually makes a difference. Is that we connect you already with local housekeeping companies where we have pre-negotiated the rates up to your budget as well. So even when you just use our software to manage your own housekeepers. There's going to be a possibility to say like, okay, today or next week, I have so much work. I need extra help. You just go into the platform and you can easily say like, okay, this I want to outsource and this I don't. And there's no negotiation. There's no waiting. It's already said and done in the system. Oh, that's, uh, that's incredible. Like that's, uh, I can see that being a value to, to the managers um, on the housekeeping side of that. Is it just going to be companies? Is it going to be contractors? Is it going to be, are you, is it a broad offering? Like, that is also the big difference. Like we, we, we've, we want to vet or we vet our companies as much as possible. Like we want to make sure that there's no um, illegal workforce. We want to make sure that everything is above boards. Um, we want equal opportunity employers as well. So we only working with companies that have at least three people working for them. Because when a housekeeping company starts working with doing, we just assign them properties and it's their responsibility to do those properties whenever it's needed. So if they, there is almost no possibility to can't to say, no, we cannot do this today. They have to do, they have to find a solution for it. That's contractually, that's in our terms of terms of service. So in Europe, we mostly guarantee 99% um, of, 
the housekeeping housekeepers to show up. We're still trying to figure that out in the U.S. It's a little bit more complicated over here, but we're getting there. Anytime they someone could come in and put their put their stamp on something and, and own it, you know, is you know is is cool. And I, I love that Noelia and and the team there at Duin is it's all right. Come in, help us figure this shit out, and let's let's get from point A to point B. Um, I'm in a similar situation for my new role. It's like, Hey, we hired you to come in and, and own this shit and bring us from point A to point B. And I'm excited to share that when that happens. But these are the type of things that, that I get so geeked up about personally. It's like, I want to come in and like, I want, I'm a problem solver. And it sounds to me, you know, like I want, I want someone to hire, you know, and I, I've been hired, but I want someone to come in and be like, John, we need you because we know you solve problems. We, we know you find solutions. You're great at logistics. You're great at all these different things. You're, you know, and this is, and you are an asset to our team. And, you know, we have a great product, but bringing you into the mix, is going to take this product or whatever we are development wise, and it's going to take us to the next level. And it sounds like that's where you are at with, with doing, you know, and in previous roles as well. Like, does that kind of shit like geek you up to, like you talked about working for startups and like, like that's kind of the, what like that drives me. And it sounds like that's kind of like, you know, they got a great product here, but they're, and, and I don't, and this is nothing against you and her, but like, there's certain things that are, there's such a great thing, but you just need to like, what's that one thing that's going to take them from point A to point B. And it sounds yeah. like you're right there with, with, you know, and that's the kind of shit that drives me is, are you yeah. feeling this is similar? Yeah, no, that's exactly like back in 2013, I actually started my own consultancy company on where I wanted to help startups um, with their commercial strategy and just that because I realized like I really enjoyed starting things up and creating new markets and, 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 and go hunting and be like, okay, listen, like this, this, is your, this is your niche. This is what you need to focus on. These are the people that, that need your help. Like, okay, you have the white plot. You, you have this big pool as well you can fish in, but this little pool is going to differentiate yourself from it. And that's basically is, what- Is this your beat free? Your, your Belgian fries <laughs> company? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I took that domain name basically because I always wanted to start a free in America. So I already had it, but then like, it also made sense in the be free, be fry. So, um, but yeah, then I got contracted by a larger company. So I didn't have time to, to develop that. Um, I did a little bit of work during the pandemic with it, but also very minimalistic. And, and every single time I just, I just land these like great companies that are we're just putting my attention to and my focus to. I, I know I'm totally sidetracking, but what, what the hell? Like, why? Why Belgian fries? Like, what? What is so special about? Like, I, I like. I don't even know what it is. I love. I love French fries, and I love me some fries with gravy on it. I love gravy fries. I love a little bit of everything. But why Belgian fries? Why are? Well, first of all, this is one of the connotations that Americans need to learn. It's not French fry is actually a Belgian fry. Right, right. Never been in Belgium. So we first basically boil, the boil is, we put them in a beef drip first or beef tallow at a 150 degrees Celsius. So they just get like very tender and just like basically a boiled potato. And we could let them cool down for at least 30 minutes to an hour. And then when you refry them at a higher temperature in vegetable or frying oil, that's how they come crispy and get the taste and everything. And that's the biggest difference on, on a a French fry or a fry in general and the way that the Belgians do it. And also our culture in general, we have 
I think there's like five fritteries per like hundred thousand inhabitants per, per city or so, or fifty thousand inhabitants. It's it's insane. It's it's a staple. It's um and also we deep fry our our meats without any any dough or any batter around it. Everything is just a lot pure and, and more so. You must start thinking about it. I need oh, to Oh man, I'm I'm getting hungry. Yeah. I, Holy. All right. So so here in the states, what's the closest? If I want to go ahead and get a, a Belgian fry, uh, well, what, what is the closest I'm gonna I'm gonna get it? it? Like I I've had like duck fat fries. I've had some different things, you know. But like, what yeah. is? We just need to go to well, Belgium. Yeah, true. You just need to go to Belgium. Or I I just need to come back and open open my fridge there with Belgian beer bar next to it. There you go. Giddy up. Uh, the, the closest you can get, and this is going to be a very unpopular answer for a lot of people, but it's the last thing I remember that were like, was the closest were Popeye's fries. Popeye's fries? Popeye's fries. Like, I, like, I walked, like, maybe it was just the moment. I don't know. I got on a long flight. I stopped on the side of the road in Charlotte and I walked in. I'm like, oh my God, this is not like home. And I tried. I'm like, these are the best fries. And I've tried them afterwards and like, I don't think they were the same, but that was the closest I got to. Like this is this is what I would go about. Interesting. I, I love makes sense. All of that chicken from Popeyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. This has been a great conversation, Tim. I I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much for talking about your journey and, and getting into you know and all the way up to doing like you talked about you know, where doing's going kind you know, a little bit, you talked about, you know, but what's the next big, you know, it sounds like you got a lot of big problems that you have to solve right now, which is, which is exciting, but where do you foresee or you're projecting of doing or, or maybe just the, the, the cleaning side or the, the housekeeping side, like what's the next big thing that everyone's going to need or, or what do you, you know, project is going to be the next big housekeeping thing whether doing brings it or overall what property managers and are going to start seeing in 23 and 24. Well, first of all, I don't see problems. I see solutions just like you probably do. <laughs> you like probably do. Um, but this also like I, I, last couple of weeks, I've also been talking to some people in the hotel industry and we also see a shift because after the pandemic, a lot of employee employees never came back. So um, housekeeping has a large problem with keeping and finding housekeepers at this at, at a decent price so a lot of hotels are also shifting to the outsource model which in the past before the pandemic was not as much so instead of that short-term rental industry adapts to the hotel industry i kind of feel a shift coming over there on where hotels are going to start looking for third third-party housekeepers to assist them and even third-party housekeeping managers that they can completely outsource it without having anybody on the payroll on property. That's what I think is the next big thing next to solving the linen problem. <laughs> right. Right. Love it. Yeah. The a monumental task of, yeah, it's a monumental task, but it, we're excited to see it. Uh, we'll be tracking your progress and uh, you know, you, we know you got a wonderful team behind you with Nuno and Noelia and, and the brilliant great. You know, entrepreneurial minds that are doing um and the culture they've created there so we're excited um definitely and we'll make sure we uh we'll be following you and, and and checking back in with you and hopefully we'll be seeing you at conferences this year you're gonna be you're gonna hitting the hitting the circuits 
Uh, I'm trying. I, I, I missed last year. It was just too short, short of a notice to go to Vegas or Miami. And, and then Malaga over here was also just like a little bit too short because we had a, we had a, a seat there, but uh, one of my colleagues took over because she right. was more experienced. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely, uh, I'll definitely see you guys around there. Perfect. Okay. Hey, thanks for, so much for joining us. Learned a ton and uh, excited, uh, excited for where you and, uh, and doing's going. Anytime, guys. Loved it. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.